I'm Vaughn Golden, reporter with WSKG News. I'm here with Robin Alpaw, current operations director for State Senator Fred Akshar and candidate for the Republican nomination for the 123rd Assembly District seat. Thank you very much for joining me. It's my pleasure, Vaughn. Great to be here. Thanks. So we've offered these interviews to both candidates uh, running for the Republican nomination for the 123rd District seat. Uh, Mr. Alpaw's primary opponent in this race is City Councilwoman Sophia Resinetti. Uh, For the structure of this interview, we're going to take some time to discuss you and your candidacy and uh, then spend the remaining time discussing some specific policy issues. Okay, sounds good. Cool. So uh, can you tell me a little bit about yourself um, prior to your current role in uh, Fred Akshar's office? Uh, I understand you were an executive director for the United Way of Broome County and uh, a fairly lengthy career with Empire State Development. Yes, that's correct. I've tried to do a lot of different things in life. Uh, so um, starting out in my career, uh, I was the alumni director at SUNY Broome and had an opportunity to do that for a couple of years, uh, raising money and awareness, connecting alumni you know, throughout the country. And it was a great job. It, it honestly was and had a chance to serve during the 50th anniversary of the college. Uh, so a great job there. Um, I had worked on a congressional campaign uh, for a friend of mine, Bob Moppert, and we came so close to going to Congress. And when we didn't make it, um, he was hired by Empire State Development. And uh, he needed staff, and he had reached out to me while I was at SUNY Broome and said, do you have an interest in coming to work at Empire State Development? Um, you know, we're basically the governor's office for economic development, many facets, I love New York, and now like the film industry, et cetera. So I said, yeah, I'm interested. I'm very interested. And so I went through that process of being interviewed, and it, it took about six months uh, to, get, uh, to get on board. And I'm glad I did uh, just under 20 years there uh, working on some pretty spectacular projects in, in our region. Could you name a few? Sure. So one of the one of that I'm I'm particularly proud of is the Kaufman Incubator. Um, that was really one of the largest projects, the biggest projects to start out with a regional council process. Uh, I believe it was about twelve million or twelve point five million dollars, which was just an unheard of amount of money uh, to be placed in what was a, a pretty um, undesirable neighborhood that needed a lot of help and a lot of work. And uh, it, it was just one of those great projects that just kind of came together, you know, teaming up with Binghamton University and SUNY Broome. And, and now, I mean, there's so many home, home run success stories, Claw Industries, for example, um, students, uh, graduates and students uh, that, that took up space and residency in the Kaufman Incubator. Now they have their place on Griswold Street and they are basically solving one of our glass recycling issues where they've come up with this way to crush and pulverize the glass and add it to the concrete to make a better product and also eliminate all of the glass that ends up in our yellow bins every week. Um, Most people don't know this, but the glass that we put out on the curb literally ends up in the landfill. It's not recycled, and now it is, and they are are crushing it and providing it to cement uh, providers uh, by the ton uh, now, which is pretty exciting. I believe there's about 80 companies that have graduated and gone on from the incubator. So I would say that is definitely one of my uh, projects that I'm proud of uh, being a part of. You know, also, you know, there's been some, uh, we always talk about um, housing and the the housing stock. And there have been a couple of really uh, interesting projects like 100 Shenango Place, huge, huge building along the river in downtown Binghamton uh, that had been a lot of things, but, you know, 
developers really couldn't afford to do what was needed to do. And that's where Empire State Development comes in to try to help offset that, whether it's, you know, removal of asbestos, you know, putting a roof on. Um, those kinds of impossible projects is where Empire State Development comes in. Uh, you know, for example, the Ansco building, uh, Century Sunrise in Johnson City. Those projects aren't feasible without some help from the, from the state. And it really created some spectacular housing, um, you know, I would al almost consider living in one of those facilities. They're they're great. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to go through them, but they're pretty spectacular inside and out. Mm -hmm. And uh, could you explain a little bit what you uh, currently do with State Senator Fred Aksher? Sure. So uh, my exact title is Director of Operations. Um, I was hired to help manage um, the uh, they're called SAM grants or you know state and municipal grant funding. Um, each senator and and assembly person. They, they get a certain pot of money to be able to do projects in our community. And, and so that was really my focus uh, based on my economic development experience and going through the ranks at Empire State Development. You know, at Empire State Development, I managed hundreds of projects, um, many at a time, all the time. So it was a kind of a perfect fit. Um, so not only grants management, but also constituent services. Um, I spent a fair amount of time um, trying to help people solve their unemployment issues. You know, they weren't getting their unemployment. Um, on the flip side, trying to help curb, um, you know, unemployment um, where people were fraudulently, you know, trying to get unemployment. And more often than not, it was like another country that had somehow tapped into the system of a company or a school and, and was getting our hard, hard to come by dollars to help people on unemployment. So, you know, our office, and I, not just myself, but our team, you know, we probably helped 2,000 families in the community get their unemployment when it was stuck in the bureaucracy, and that just gets frustrating. Um, also trying to help with, honestly, some of the projects that I worked on at Empire State Development, trying to help get them paid and through the process. Um, you know, other things, you know, Department of Motor Vehicle issues, uh, State Liquor Authority issues, just trying to be helpful. Um, and, you know, between the grants and, and constituent services, that uh, that keeps me pretty busy. Mm -hmm. So what motivated you to move? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I suppose Empire State Development is the public sector. Um, but what motivated you to move towards the legislative side of things? Sure. So um, when I left Empire State Development, I just wanted to try something different. And I had an opportunity to serve uh, two years at the United Way of Broome County um, as a not-for-profit. I just wanted a different experience. And I've always been good at raising money and raising friends. And that was an opportunity to, uh, to help that organization, you know, raise some visibility, you know, raise some money so that we can do good things in our community. Um, when the opportunity came up and an opening was uh, in the senator's office, I, I jumped on that because honestly, I missed the state service and uh, the senator's office, you know, offered me an opportunity to work on grants and do a lot of special projects. And also, quite frankly, the ability to travel to Albany, you know, during session, um, not every day, you know, session usually runs Monday through Thursday, and maybe I would take a day, maybe two a week uh, to spend time in Albany, you know, learning how that works. And what a great, uh, a great learning experience that was. Mm -hmm. So Democrats currently hold a supermajority in the state assembly, which is what you're running for. Um, and in 
all reality, even with a really big red wave, Republicans aren't exactly the likeliest to take control of the state legislature, especially the assembly. Um, how would you plan to remain an effective legislator, uh, delivering for the district um, in the event that you are in the minority? Sure. So I, I'm a big believer in working together. Um, you know, in, in Washington, and I'm not sure, it's probably still around, but they have what they call the, the problem solvers, I believe, the caucus. You know, why can't we do something like that in the New York State Legislature, even if, you know, Republicans aren't in control in the Assembly or, or the Senate? You know, why can't we have a group to try to hammer out some issues where it's not Republicans versus Democrats? And why can't there be a meeting in the middle on, on some of the issues? And I would certainly push towards that. Um, I think you're spot on. I don't think even with a red wave, there's enough to turn it, but but maybe in the next cycle. And, you know, I think most people never thought that the Senate would turn Democrat, and it has, and it went kind of back and forth. But, um, you know, I don't think it'll happen this year, but maybe in, maybe in, in two years. You never know. But uh, I am a big believer in working together to get to solve the issues that are before us. And, and that's the only way we're going to move forward as a, as a state and as a community is, is working together and having compromise. Yeah. How do you, um, you brought up the Problem Solvers Caucus, um, and I, I covered uh, Congressman Tom Reed, who was instrumental in that group for a number of years. And he said that um, before he, he resigned, uh, that he took flack from leadership uh, and was removed from some leadership roles. So um, there, there kind of is, is it seems to be a history of, of folks who want to embrace that kind of bipartisan uh, working together that have to kind of thread a needle. How, how, how do you do that as, as a, a Republican legislator? Sure. Um, great question. You know, in, in my opinion, um, at the end of the day, it's easy to do the right thing. And, um, you know, I'm not going to Albany, you know, successfully to, to appease party leadership. I want to do what's right for our community. Um, it, it doesn't make sense um, to go down there and just be a rubber stamp. I, I will have my own views. Um, I will certainly um, listen to the constituency. Um, you know, one of the great things that, that I admire about uh, Senator Akshar is his town halls and his virtual town halls during COVID and then in persons. You know, actually going out there and listening to what people have to say and, and you know, framing your decisions based on that. Um, and, and obviously, people aren't going to agree with you 100% of the time. And, you know, you may disagree with somebody, but at the end of the day, um, you, you have to deal, you know, live with yourself. And, uh, you know, I just think it, it's not an easy task, but it can be done. And I think, I think Senator Axtra does a great job at it. Mm -hmm. And your primary opponent in this race, uh, Sophia Resinetti, um, has been endorsed by some fairly prominent uh, Republican officials locally, um, former mayors Rich David and uh, uh, and Bucci of the city of Binghamton. Uh, do, do you view yourself as an outsider in this race? You know, I don't really. Um, you know, endorsements, they're great, but, you know, it's usually a one-day story. Um, I'm not overly concerned with that, to be honest. Um, as far as being an outsider, I mean, I, I've spent almost 24 years in state government and making good things happen for people. Um, my opponent has been on city council for three years. I mean, that's kind of a huge uh, leap, in my opinion. Um, when you look at the experience and our resumes, um, I just think I have the better experience to be able to go to, uh, you know, to Albany and, and uh, make good things happen for our community. 
Okay. I want to switch gears a little bit and get into to some policy areas. Um, and I want to start with one that's probably at the forefront of a lot of people's minds right now, and that's uh, legislation around firearms. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, we're in, in the wake of the mass shootings in Buffalo and Uvalde. And of course, locally, we, right. we've had a, had some spates of gun violence um, with the, the shooting and death of Eliza Spencer. Um, so the state legislature passed a package of, of firearms legislation before they left Albany, and that included um, one measure raising the age to purchase assault weapons. Uh, would you agree with that measure in particular? And separately, um, what do you think we can do legislatively in Albany to address gun violence? What, where would you move? Sure. I mean, some terrible tragedies out there for sure. Um, I want to be clear that I'm a big supporter of Second Amendment rights. Um, I have a pistol and a permit, and and I enjoy target shooting with friends um, as, as, uh, as a hobby. Um, I, I do believe uh, and I, would, I do support the decisions that were made in Albany um, to raise that age and make it a little more difficult. Um, I think all too often it becomes too easy. Uh, and it's unfortunate because it's usually the law-abiding citizens that pay the price. But, um, you know, in light of what's happening, I, I absolutely support, you know, raising that age. And, and, you know, we need to look at these applications when they come through closely. And, you know, if there's even a hint of something that's out of kilter or off balance, I, I think we need to look at it closely so that we can prevent uh, any more tragedies like w- what we've seen. And what about uh, red flag laws? Um, there's been a lot of discussion about that. How do we strengthen, um, if, if that would be your uh, your position, um, do we strengthen red flag laws? What can we do to make those more effective and, and keep firearms out of the hands of people who want to harm themselves or others? Sure. Um, with the with the red flag law, I mean, I, I I would support you know, like I said, I just think it's important that we're paying attention when people are applying, at, you know, for pistol permits at the Broome County Sheriff's Office. We need to just pay attention to you know, and and perhaps dig deeper. And, and if it's if it's about hiring a couple more people to be able to get that job done, I'm all for it. And uh, if I can help, you know, provide funding as a as a state assemblyman, I would certainly support that. I just think we need to be paying attention when people are applying. And it's it's really, like as I mentioned earlier, it's unfortunate that the law-abiding citizens that have them, you know, sometimes have to pay a price for that. But I think for the greater good, um, you know, we have to do a better job in paying attention as to where, you know, these firearms are going and who's getting them. Mm-hmm. And are there any other proposals that are coming out of, again, the Democratic-controlled state legislature um, that you would find some middle ground and possibly get behind? Um, I, I can't speak to any specifically. Um, you know, we talk a little bit about bail reform, and um, it, it just seems to me as as an outsider in that whole process, if you will, um, because I, you know, as a resident and a community and a constituent, it just seems to me as though, you know, this talk of defunding the police and, and you know, providing less support, it, it's, it's absurd to me. I mean, uh, and, and I, I get it. We live in different times. You know, as a kid, I was always, you know, very respectful of police and, you know, trying to follow the rules. But, uh, you know, I think all too often, you know, that, that sentiment has changed a bit. You know, I think we need to, to try and go back to maybe the way things used to be where they get the respect and, and the support of the community. Because honestly, when, when you're on the side of the road and you need help, that's, that's who's going to come and help you. And uh, we need to be mindful of that and, and do what we can to support uh, you know, law enforcement.
Mm-hmm. And on that topic, um, uh, of course, you brought up the bail reform laws uh, that have been a regular, um, uh, I guess, punching bag, frankly, for for Republicans uh, going into this this election. Um, and we saw an effort at the end of last year in the state legislature, or uh, I believe around budget time, to consider making changes to the bail laws that were pretty pretty. Uh, vehemently opposed by uh, a lot of folks, uh, particularly in the more progressive wing of the Democratic Party. Um, assuming we would see a very similar reaction if proposals were made again, is there anything incremental um, to address the bail reform laws that you would want to do? Or are you set on a, a flat repeal, as many Republicans are? I don't know about a flat repeal. I just think we need to look and see how things are shaping up, like for a judge not to be able to use his discretion in some cases for for setting bail, it, it's crazy to me. I mean, that's that's why we have them. That's why we have this system of of uh, of uh, of law and and law, uh, you know, enforcement. Um, it just seems crazy to me that we don't let judges do their job. And um, the list of non-bailable offenses, quite honestly, there are some pretty heinous heinous, um, you know crimes on that list. And, and it just seems like, you know, people commit a crime and they're back out on the streets and five minutes later they do it again. And, um, you know, I think all too often we tie the hands of our law enforcement officials and, and our judicial system. And, you know, it's, it's I think some of the changes, you know, may be working. And, um, but I think we have to monitor that and keep, you know, trying to sharpen our pencil to make a better, a better product for our community. Um, so you would you would look at more fine tuning changes, more um, individual changes to the like the the offensive that offenses that are um, non bail eligible. I think that's where I would start, and and I just I want to be clear too about something that I'm all about second chances. I mean, people make mistakes all the time, and uh, I, I'm all about giving people more chances to to be successful and. And enabling them with the tools to, to be successful, you know, whether it's in, in um, you know, when they're in the jail or when they're, they're out of the jail, you know, making sure that they're followed up with. Um, we need to help people that, that need the help. And, and uh, like I said, I, I'm a big believer in, in second chances. Mm-hmm. Um, so switching gears a little bit, the Buffalo shooter is from Conklin, uh, is from Broome County. Um, and it's really been a reminder uh, that hate and racism do exist in our community. Uh, would you agree with that? Um, and otherwise, how do we how do we address it? And what role does the state legislature play in that? Okay. Good question and, and not uh, not an easy one. Um, you know, the, the shooting in Buffalo was just a, a complete tragedy. And and I have to say that, you know, the warning signs, they they had to have been there and they I'm sure that they were there. And, and I think it's all about kind of paying attention and, and perhaps going that extra mile to take a look at um, when, there, when something comes up and uh, there's an issue that pops up, like there's a message that says, I'm going to do something or I'm going to, you know, this is going to happen. You know, we can't just brush that stuff off. I mean, I think uh, some due diligence, you know, could help prevent more, you know, crimes like that um, from happening. Um, how, how do we address the the racism aspect of this? You and know, w- would you agree that that there is racism in the community? 
You know, I, I, I believe it's out there as it's evident, you know, because we read about it. You know, I personally, I mean, you see it. Um, it's not something that, you know, I would say, you know, I grew up where everybody was equal and you don't, you don't see, you know, black and white. And I mean, we're all, you know, I guess I, okay, um, I lost my train. So it's okay. <laughs> sorry. Um, so the question is, is what can we do about yeah, the, yeah. How, how do we address that as, as, as a state legislature, as a, a leader in the community, uh, to, to, to grapple with these, these questions and these issues? You know, I, I would say that, um, you know, we need to encourage people to work together. Um, you know, one of the, one of the great things that, um, you know, United Way does is bringing people together. You, you have people of means, you have people of, of very little means and, it, and, you know, African American community, Puerto Rican, et cetera. You know, that's one of the things that we tried to do, um, you know, in particular um, with our anti-poverty grant. You know, we try to get those people around the table to have real discussions about what, what um, you know, what their concerns are and what can we do better as a community to work together, um, you know, to eliminate, you know, that, that difference um, and that perceived difference. Um, I, I hope that answered the question. Yeah, yeah. Um, so switching gears again, um, a lot of policies to, to cover. Um, Democrats in the state legislature, they're pushing a number of environmental measures. Um, a lot of these are kind of revolving around the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act that was passed a few years ago, which sets some statutory um, uh, climate goals, especially in the area of decarbonization. Um, how do you see the state addressing this? Some of these are, are dealing with the electrification of buildings. Um, how heavy-handed do you believe state policy should be in decarbonization efforts? Sure. I mean, I, green energy is very important. Um, you know, Empire State Development, and I've worked on on some projects that uh, that kind of push that along. And, you know, I'm in favor of that. But I think, you know, some of the climate um, decisions that are being made are, are too much too quickly, to be quite honest. And, um, you, you know, name some of those that you think are moving too sure. quick? Sure. So, I mean, I, I can't remember the exact specifics, but um, full electric cars by 2035, I believe, is one of them. Um, you know, that's great to have that goal. And I think electric cars are becoming more popular for sure. But, um, you know, I, I think the market plays a bit of a role here. And not every family has the opportunity to go out and buy a fifty or sixty thousand dollar electric car. Um, and and by the way, one of the interesting things as as a car person, so you know Tesla, you know New York State uh, rules and regulations have regulated the fact that there are only five brick and mortar uh, Tesla stores in the state, and that is due in part to the the auto lobby. To be perfectly honest. You know, why should I in Binghamton have to go to New Rochelle or down to the city or out of state to get a Tesla serviced? Um, why can't we have a Tesla service facility right here in Binghamton? And, and I see them all over the place. And, and let's let the market dictate some of these things before, you know, the legislature goes out and dictates that, you know, we will not sell any more gas furnaces or you must have a hot water heater that's electric. Um, you know, this is upstate New York, and, and um, most people would not have the ability to afford those kinds of things. 
for those that can, that's great. And maybe we, we have some incentive for them to do that and make that investment, perhaps once a, a furnace goes dead or a hot water heater goes dead. But to flat out just, you know, not have those things available to many families, I just think isn't right. Um and I, and so the state um, ha- has made a lot of efforts to uh, uh, quicken the pace of deployment of renewable energy generation, uh, wind and solar, uh, as well as some some uh, regulations as far as siting goes and a new process for that. Um, how much do you believe the state needs to incentivize the deployment of specifically wind and solar? You know, I think incentives um, are good to get the interest. You know, should they... Should they foot the bill? Absolutely not. I, I mean, I think a lot of, um, you know, solar and wind is a little bit in the infancy. I mean, I, I think it gets better as time goes by. And, and I do think those incentives are important, but, um, you know, not at the expense of, of perhaps the greater picture um, and, and our economy. Um, you know, I've, I've long said that, you know, New York State, we spend too much. And I just think that uh, we need to make better decisions. And, um, you know, whether it's incentives for climate, um, you know, whether it's, you know, other investments, we just need to make better decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and you brought up uh, earlier uh, affordable housing and housing in, in the community. That's a big issue in Broome County um, in finding affordable housing. Um, how does the state address this and what can the state do to help improve and 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 widen the housing stock uh, in areas like Broome County. Sure. So every once in a while, you'll you'll see announcements of, of different neighborhoods, uh, like north of Maine, uh, where there's investment uh, there. You know, I think that's incredibly important, especially, you know, in, in our city's neighborhoods, to make that investment and to improve um, our housing stock, because it is, it is a deterrent when we're trying to attract companies to, to Broome County and the Southern Tier, you know, one of the things they look at is quality of life. What's the housing stock like? And, and you know, all too often, I think we, we fall short in the housing stock. And so projects like that um, definitely have my support um, to not only provide the housing, but also help neighborhoods and, and, uh, and clean up neighborhoods. And, you know, I'm not in favor of fixing everything. You know, some things may need to come down and perhaps we need to invest more in in, in, in new builds as opposed to, to renovations. Mm-hmm. And um, Republicans have been, have, and everybody really <laughs> has been feeling um, uh, the, the effects of inflation and affordability. Um, what role does the state legislature have in addressing this? Obviously, the state legislature can't really control too much as far as monetary policy goes. Um, but what can the state legislature do to help um, make New Yorkers' dollars go further? Sure. So um, I, I hearken back to my days at Empire State Development. Uh, you know, you're, you're spot on. You know, the assembly really can't do much about inflation. But in my opinion, um, you know, having come from Empire State Development, you know, we focus on those jobs, creating those jobs, creating that investment, um, making those calls. I mean, I, I had a great job at Empire State Development. We were doing outreach and had an opportunity to travel to Orlando, Florida for a trade show where all the simulation companies were present. And I literally knocked on every single door and met with, with, with companies and to remind them that Binghamton and Broome County is the home to simulation and to try to lure some of those back. And uh, we did have success with, with NLX, now Rockwell Collins, now Collins Aerospace. They were one of those companies down in Florida that was at the trade show and they, they realized the importance and 
um, how key it was to have people that had the knowledge and the institutional knowledge of flight simulation and how important that was. And, you know, we ended up with luring them with, with some incentive um, and, and now, you know, to Broome County. And that was a great day um, and an effort to do outreach in a community, you know, to make that effort and to go down there and knock on those doors and meet with those companies. Those are the kinds of things that I want to be able to do um, as a state assembly person. Um, and, and I'll just take that one further. You know, we have this great focus on energy and battery production in Endicott with Binghamton University and all that's going on there. You know, why aren't we making the Tesla batteries in, in Broome County and Endicott? You know, I want to make those calls uh, to help drive that interest and perk interest in the Huron campus to help fill that. Is um, that all the state can do, you know, work connections, or is there something tangible, uh, whether it be incentives or, or things like that, that the state legislature can you do? You know, I think all of the above, you know, whether it's um, incentives, um, the great thing, you know, one of the things that, that I bring to the table is is knowing that network and the knowledge, and, and I'm not afraid to make those calls. And even if the phone gets slammed down, you know, you have to keep asking for the sale and, and eventually you'll hit a home run. And uh, that's one of the things that, that I'd like to work on is to help fill that here on campus um, and making those connections. Yeah. And one of the things that um, a number of the gubernatorial candidates have mentioned uh, recently um, in their debates over the last in the last week is um, reopening the idea of uh, uh, fracking in the southern tier. Where do you fall on that, and, and what is realistically the feasibility of bringing hydraulic fracturing into the southern tier? Uh, because I understand this was a, a very intense issue a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. So I, I would support it. Um, I would say New York, New York State in general likes to do things safe, and, and that's important to me. Um, I do think that we are sitting on a huge resource that could be helpful. And, and I think, um, you know, natural gas can be, you know, taken from the ground safely, if it can be, and I believe it can, then I think we should look at that, um, you know, it, as an alternative. You know, green energy is great, but I think the solution is going to be a combination of all these energy products to come up with something that's affordable and, 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 and feasible and still being, you know, kind to, to the uh, environment. As somebody who's worked in, in economic development in the region um, you know, very prominently, do you really think that uh, if you, if you approached or anybody from from the state approached a a drilling company to come to New York, do you think they would realistically be interested, given the political climate in New York, of of exploring the idea of drilling? You know, that's a great question, and I and I'm not sure. But we have to, you know, if we get to that point, then then we certainly need to be asking those questions. I mean, they're just over the border in Pennsylvania. It would make sense, and and in my sense, if there um, is a job that we're a company that does drilling, you know, provided they can do it safe, um, there's an opportunity to make money uh, to extract that um, for energy. Then I, I think they'll certainly come and and do that. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I've learned not only through Empire State Development but in the Senate office is, you know, DEC is a tough, tough agency, um, and they're very stringent. They have all kinds of rules and regulations, and, um, you know, if it can be done safely, I'm all for that. If, you know, if we can get, uh, you know, a process where DEC can make sure and, and monitor that it can be done safely, then, then I'm all for it. 
All right. Well, I think we'll have to leave it there. We've just about hit our time. I've been with Robin Alpaw, candidate for the 123rd Assembly District uh, Republican nomination. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it, Vaughn. Thank you.